Good evening, and welcome to Let's Talk Low Vision, brought to you by the Council of Citizens with Low Vision. My name is Dr. Bill Takeshita, and this evening we have Mr. Tom Frank, who's going to talk to us about many of the benefits that people with low vision may receive from Social Security. I know that for so many of us, many of us, we lose our vision during our working years, and we may have a family or other responsibilities, and suddenly we don't have any types of income. So why don't you go ahead and tell us, Tom, about what is Social Security's benefits uh, for those with low vision? Okay, thank you, Dr. Bill. Uh, I've been a claims representative with Social Security now for 16 years, and I'm legally blind uh, as well. Uh, Vision corrected about 2,200, if you consider that corrected at all. And and at work, I I use JAWS. My computer talks to me, and I also use a large screen monitor, which I use mainly for navigating around the screen. It helps me if I get a little lost. And the big advantage of working for Social Security is also I have a reader. Uh, And so I have a reader, I have the large screen monitor, and a talking computer. I also have a sign uh, on the cabinet on the queue behind me, so when I have claimants at my desk, it says, if you see me looking into the distance, it's simply that my computer is talking to me in my left ear. I am I am listening to you. Oh, so, okay. So that's how I work at Social Security, but Social Security, I always thought it was a good program, but since I work there... I know it is an extremely important program. Social Security is a federal program, and most people in the general public think of it as a retirement program. And I'll ask you this question. What type of a program is Social Security? See if you get this. What type would you say it is? Well, I... I I do know that it is a federal program that does provide funds for people in retirement and also for some people who are unable to work, they provide funding. Right, And but the thing I'm getting at more of it, Social Security, and people don't think of it this way, is an insurance program. Oh. Uh, I, I take, and we use acronyms a lot, I'm a federal bureaucrat, so we take RIB claims, we take DIB claims, we take WIB claims, and they stand for Retirement Insurance Benefits, Disability Insurance Benefits, Widows or Widowers Insurance Benefit. So Social Security itself is to insure people against lost income based on retirement or old age, disability, or the death of the primary breadwinner. So... Uh, it's a, and if you think of it as an insurance program, a lot of the things that we do at Social Security make more sense to people. So anyway, so everybody knows retirement uh, benefits, and the other one a lot of people don't know. You know, you have a, a family, and the father or the mother dies. Well, 
that's a big loss of income for the family. So the children could be entitled to benefits. So those are the programs that most people know of. The other one, a lot of people don't even know, when you pay your FICA taxes, everybody grumbles about taxes, but when you pay your Social Security taxes, a portion of that goes into the Disability Trust Fund, and that's to insure people against losing their source of income because of a disability. Now, Social Security uh, has pretty definite uh, criteria for becoming disabled. You have to have a disability that meets specific criteria, and it has to have lasted at least 12 months or is expected to last at least 12 months or result in death. So certain things, uh, pregnancy, if you break your leg, you break your arm, they're not considered uh, disability. If you had a vision uh, loss, you're, you're, you're the doctor on this that caused maybe uh, temporary blindness for three months, but you were expected to fully recover from that, then social, you would not be eligible for Social Security disability. For blindness, to be legally blind, you have to meet the standard criteria for legal, le, legal blindness, which is 2200 or a field restriction no greater than 20 degrees in the better eye. And as you know, you know, people say, well, I'm blind without my glasses. Well, good. Then put your glasses on and you're not blind <laughs> by Social Security standards. So it has to be the correction in the better eye. You can be eligible for Social Security disability benefits if your vision isn't quite that bad. Let's say 2070, 2100, if it's combined with other disabilities that together would prevent you from working. Uh, sometimes diabetic, of course, diabetic retinopathy, uh, you know, diabetes, the aftermath of those, maybe some types of, of cancer. You know, a combination of disabilities could also make it impossible for you to work, one of them being low vision. So. So how do you, we find out that you're disabled or if you're blind or legally blind? Well, you have to apply. You can apply two basic ways. The easiest way is simply to call, uh, to set up an appointment. You can call our toll-free number, and that's easy, 800-772-1213. How do you remember the 772? It's SSA, Social Security Administration. So 100-772. 1213, call and say, you know, I want to apply for disability benefits. It's as simple as that. You can also go online, www.socialsecurity.gov, and that's .gov, no.com, or any of the others, and you can apply online. If you can't see well enough to apply online, you can help have a friend, you can have a vocational rehabilitation, or some other agency or individual help you apply online. I take uh, claims. So when I go to work, they give me my appointments, and I'll have an appointment, and uh, 
I'll call the person, or the person can come into the office. We can do this by phone, or we can do it in person. And I asked them a whole bunch of questions, you know, when they became unable to work, uh, you know, if they're married, any minor children, all of those sorts of questions. And then I asked all the disability, which doctors they've seen, what is their disability, any medications, tests uh, they have. I fill that out. And the interview takes uh, about an hour and 15 minutes, maybe an hour and a half. And then after we gather all that information, we send it, and everything now is electronic. So it's all done on the computer. Then we send it electronically to what's known as the DDS, the Disability Termination Service. That is a state agency, and every state has a DDS, and it's the state that determines if you meet the disability criteria. So we send it over there. DDS in Vermont is fairly fast. It takes usually three to four months to make their determination. And if you're legally blind, by the way, blindness is a presumptive disability. It's assumed if you are at least legally blind, you are unable to work. I don't think that is the case, but that is the law, and it's a presumptive disability. So as soon as they find you're legally blind and you're unable to work, they send it back with an allowance. We push the button, and that's it. A check miraculously appears in your checking account. There are. It's a little harder than that, of course. Uh, we're the government, of, so of course it's harder than that. <laughs> To be eligible for Social Security Disability Insurance, a lot of people know it as SSDI, you had to have worked, and you had to have worked at least six quarters, no matter how old you are. And six quarters, you know, each year has four quarters. So you had to have worked at least a year and a half. And up until age uh, 31, there's few more quarters than, and from 31 years of age and older, you had to have worked five out of the last 10 years. So, uh, so if you stop working because of a disability and then you apply uh, or if you stop working and then six years later you become disabled, well, you haven't become, you haven't worked five out of the last ten years, so you might not meet the criteria. However, I always say uh, for blindness, we have a much better lobby than other disabilities. So that criteria, five out of the ten, doesn't really apply if you're legally blind. It doesn't make any difference when you stopped working or how many years you haven't worked. If you're found to be legally blind, you can get Social Security benefits. Also, uh, an interesting thing I found out, and I didn't even know it until I had a claim. I use the term once blind, always blind. So for me, as an example, I collected 
Social Security benefits for a couple of years when I moved to Vermont. I didn't have a job up here, so I had Social Security disability for five years. Then I went back to work. Well, if you go back to work and you work over a certain limit, your Social Security disability benefits will stop. I've been working now between this job and other jobs maybe 25, 30 years. Mm. If I stop working tomorrow, all I have to do is call up, apply. They don't have to determine whether I'm blind or not. It's already in my record, and my benefits will start the next month. Don't have have to predetermine that I'm disabled. Other disabilities, you would have to go through the whole uh, application process again, not as much for the blind. I have a question about that then. Really? Uh, Tom, let's say that you did decide tomorrow that you wanted to stop working. Does Social Security ask you whether or not you are capable of continuing that job? Or are they going to still even give you the SSDI if you just say, I feel like quitting? Uh, Don't say that, for one thing. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Now, if you were, I'm over full retirement age, so once you reach 66, which I am 66, there is no disability once you reach what's known as full retirement age. So that doesn't, all that doesn't apply for me. But let's say I was working for 10 years and I stopped working when I was 50. In fact, as I said, blindness is a presumptive disability. I was getting benefits before I was found to be legally blind. If I stop working, as far as Social Security is concerned, I'm disabled. That's not likely the same with other disabilities, but it is with blindness. Wow. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, it's a presumptive disability. They presume if you're blind, you can't work. Uh, Double amputees, there are other disabilities that fall in the same classification. Uh, You also have to remember that a lot of these rules were developed years ago and when blindness was a much more prevalent disability with, you know, the the various diseases, rubella and whatever, that caused blindness in people who were a lot younger. So uh, a lot of them were there to help those individuals. How much do you get from Social Security? It depends on how much you paid in. If you had a higher income uh, salary when you were working, when you stop working, you get a higher uh, Social Security disability payment. The average is around $1,200, $1,300 per month. But if you really had a high-paying job, it could go up as high as $2,600 a month. If you are... Uh, a family person, and you have a couple of children, your minor, if you are found to be disabled and unable to work and start collecting benefits, 
your minor children can also collect benefits. Uh, and another thing is, if you are, let's use this scenario. Let's say uh, uh, because of RP, you're, you became legally blind at the age of 21, but suppose you never worked. If, as long as you've never been married and you didn't have a, uh, a job that paid a certain limit, and I can explain what that limit is, when your parents retire at age 62, you could be known what's known as a disabled adult child. You could collect benefits based on your parents' earnings if you became disabled prior to age 22 and were continuously disabled. So there's all sorts of programs out there uh, to help uh, individuals who are blind. If you do start getting benefits, there's also all sorts of incentives and ways to help you get back to work. When I said you were unable to work in order to get Social Security uh, disability benefits, what do we call work? Well, there's a limit. We call it substantial gainful activity. Substantial it has to be certain level. Gainful, you have to be doing something, uh, you know, to make a living. And it has to be an activity. You have to actually be doing something. Somebody isn't just giving you money to do nothing. So if you're not blind, that limit this year is $1,130 per month. So if you're earning, you can work, but if you earn less than that amount because of your disability, you can still be found disabled. Blind, as I said, we had a better, lo a better lobby. That limit for blind is $1,820. So you could be legally blind, and you could be making $1,800 a month and still be collecting Social Security disability benefits. So if you are able to work, you have the, the, the drive, the ambition, the education, sure, you should go out, in my opinion, go out and get a job. And even if you make above that limit, we can deduct what are called impairment-related work expenses. Anything that you have to pay for out of your own pocket that are related to both your impairment and your work, we can deduct from how much you earn each month. For example, co-pays for medications. Uh, if you have to take a taxi to work versus a bus, then the difference between the cost of taking a bus to work and taking a taxi, we can deduct that. So you could have, you know, three or $400 a month in expenses that we could deduct from that, the amount of, you know, money you're earning. So you could be earning $2,200 per month, and if you have impairment-related work expenses, you would be over under the eighteen twenty per month and you could still receive Social Security disability benefits. That's really great. That's really good. So a person who is receiving Social Security and working with a limited income 
could could earn up to thirty six hundred dollars a month. Yeah, they right. They could get let's say they could get twelve hundred, thirteen hundred dollars a month Social Security and still be earning, you know, after expenses eighteen hundred dollars a month. Right. Wow. So you can you can do uh, quite well even working at a part time job uh, through Social Security. Now there are a couple. There's another program, and it's administered by the Social Security Administration, but it is not Social Security. It's called SSI, Supplemental Security Income. It's the same criteria for disability, but it's for people with low income and low resources. So. A child, let's say uh, congenitally blind, could be eligible for SSI, Supplemental Security Income. It would be based on the, the parent's income and the parent's resources, but the child could receive SSI. The federal level for that is $733 per month, and then the, the states, some states kick in a higher amount. In Vermont, it's $52.04. Where the four cents come don't, came from, don't ask me, but that's what Vermont contributes. New Hampshire doesn't contribute anything. I believe California adds another over $200 to that, and it varies from state to state how much the states add. So supplemental security income is for people with low income, can be a child, but let's say you lost your you, you never worked you didn't have a job and i'll use the example you losing your sight because of rp and let's say at 21 or 22 you became legally blind now you would not be eligible for social security disability insurance because you never worked and ssdi is based on your earnings however you could be eligible for SSI, Supplemental Security Income. Uh, you need to meet the same criteria. You have to be legally blind. And you can't have resources. You can't have a checking account, retirement account, uh, a bank account over $2,000 if you're single, $3,000 for a couple. And you can't have income let's say, unearned income, you know, somebody was giving you money of over that $733, in some states a little bit more. But you could be eligible for SSI. And hopefully with that, you have a way to, to support yourself. And you could still go back to get a job. If you, under SSI, for every dollar you make over $85 will pay you $1 less. For every two you earn, you get $1 less in SSI. So you can work, make money, and, you know, eventually, if you earn a lot, you'll then be able to get Social Security disability. So you'll combine 
some people will get both programs. They'll get Social Security disability based on their earnings, and if they don't make a lot, they'll get a little bit more from SSI. So those are the two programs uh, that are run by the Social Security Administration. Now, do you know anybody, Dr. Bill, that gets SSI or whatever? Yes, actually, at our clinic, the Center for the Partially Sighted, we do see many children who have low vision and are legally blind, and they do uh, receive the SSI. And to be quite frank, from listening to the parents, the parents tell us that they really, really depend heavily on that income to be able to buy food and to pay for other bills because sometimes these parents, uh, they, they really are having a difficult time financially. Right, actually. So, and that's exactly what SSI is to supplement, you know, the child's income, or in this case, as you're saying, the family's income. So they, they use that. But what I like to point out and, and, and really emphasize is that, okay, so as a child, and once you become 18, it isn't based on your parents anymore. It's You're on your own. So you have to be disabled as an adult, and you'll get SSI directly. But there are a lot of incentives out there for you to, to, to get training and go out to work. So I always recommend if anybody, you know, if you want to go to work, uh, go see your vocational rehabilitation counselor. Uh, there are various ser- of job services out there. So you can get the training uh, to go out and get a job. Some people will say, well, it's just easy. I can stay on SSI my entire life. That is true, but I pointed that out even to counselors. I say, if you want the government, and we're nice people, but using that you know, as the government to control your income for the rest of your life, and it isn't going to be very high, then you can stay on SSI. But in order to you know, improve your income, then, you know, work, go out and try to get a job. Now, once again, blind individuals have a better deal than every other disability. Remember when I said you could deduct impairment-related work expenses? Yes. Off off the limit? Now, to be originally to be found disabled under SSI, we can... You know, if you're earning money, you still have to be earning under that 1,820 limit, and we can deduct impairment-related work expenses. But for blind, they're also are called, once you get a job and you're working, we can deduct what's called blind work expenses. No other disability has this. We can deduct your income tax. We can deduct what you pay in Social Security taxes. We can deduct how much you pay for lunch at work, how much it costs you to get to work. And you can look up in our regulations, and when we're in training, just to 
to prove it that we do with everything in our regulations, which is like, uh, you know, thousands and thousands of pages. You can do a search for dog food, uh-huh. and dog food will come up because if you have a guide dog and you're getting SSI, you can deduct the cost of your dog food because if you didn't feed your dog, you wouldn't be able to go to work. So there are, there are a lot of incentives to help you go to work uh, and, and stay working at Social Security. So how do the parents feel, Dr. Bill, about, you know, their children going to work or whatever in training? It's very, very interesting. Here in Los Angeles, I would say that close to 60% of the uh, children that do come into our center with low vision, they're, they're Latino. And many times it's where the parents they do not encourage their kids to do well in school. And as they get closer towards 18, they really emphasize to their children, you don't want to go to college because you could still earn this money by just staying at home and you're being very helpful to the family. And I then interject, but your child is very bright and can go to college and can get a degree and your child's going to make five, six, seven, eight, or nine, ten thousand dollars a month, which will be much more money than your child's receiving from SSI. And by earning his or her own income, your child's going to now be free. They'll really have freedom. And then the parents then talk about it, and then they understand. And and I'll tell you, Dr. Bill, it isn't just the case in L.A. Here in Vermont, uh, where my first wife was Puerto Rican, I was married to, I think, the only Latino in Vermont. Yeah, very, very small minority. Whenever we doing anything minority outreach, said I'm married to the Puerto Rican in, in the state. So, but, uh, you know, we have the same problem. A lot of times it's the parents that aren't pushing their children to get independent skills uh, and and get a good education and go out there and press themselves. They're kind of afraid. You know, they want to protect their child. But on the other hand, you know, we have uh, one that just, she not only went and graduated from law school, she brought a suit against the, 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 the law school here in Vermont because they didn't make the, the, the not the bar exam, but whatever, the, the, the final exam for, for lawyers, what you have to take. It yeah. was not acceptable to her. And she brought a suit against them against the college at once. Wow. And and she's now a lawyer, I think, in Kansas or someplace out there. So <laughs> you know, so you know so you uh can uh and these are just individuals that have gone on and haven't been satisfied with just as I said, you know, seven hundred, eight hundred, nine hundred dollars a month 
And the other thing is, as I said, if you're you're single, you can't have resources more than two thousand dollars. So you can't save up and say, well, you know, I'd like a little vacation home up in the mountains. Well, you can't own property because that's a resource over two thousand dollars. You can own your own home, but not nothing else. Uh, you know, so it is quite restrictive. Uh, you know, for the rest of your life on social supplemental security income. I'm saying it's a great program because a lot of people, as you found out, really rely on it, especially for uh, when they have children that are disabled, they have extra expenses, extra concerns, and it really helps the family. But I'm glad to see you kind of talk to the parents and say, okay, but think of that child's future. Yes. And as you know, you know, and Social Security has all sorts of programs. To, if somebody is collecting SSI or SSDI, to get off those programs and go back into the workforce. You know, I have a question about when a person has been identified by their doctor as being legally blind, and they do apply. Uh, you had mentioned that in different offices it may take uh, more than three to four months for the uh, state agency to verify that the person is legally blind. And are there any types of financial benefits available for for these people during that first 12 months? Because did I hear correctly that it, it may take 12 months from the time that the person applies before they receive their first check? Usually not uh, 12 months. You have to have a disability that has lasted or expect to last at least 12 months. Okay. So let's say you're, you have macular degeneration. Uh, you're 45 and you develop macular degeneration and you become... Uh, your vision starts going down. So you will, and and what happens a lot of times? Well, maybe you stop working. You were a truck driver or or whatever, and you really couldn't do that job. But you put it off, and you say, well, you know, I, you know, it's it's going to get better. I'm going to see Doctor Bill, and he's going to make me all better. You know, you know that scenario. Uh, so they put it off, and after five or six or seven months or even a year, they finally realize, no, their vision is such that they won't be able to go back to work, and then they apply. Now, from the time that they apply, it might take three, four, five months for us, Social Security, to make the decision that they are blind, they are disabled, they wouldn't be able to go back to work. But we can go retroactively back 12 months from when they first called. So let's say if they stopped working in in, uh, December two years ago and just now decided, you know, they really aren't going back to work and they apply. Well, they apply now. In four months, the decision is made. 
we can go back 12 and pay them retroactively 12 months from April. So we could pay them all the way back to April of last year. Oh, that's good. That's really good. And and what what about the requirements to receive either the SSDI or the SSI? Do you have to be a United States citizen, or could it be okay that you're just a, a resident? You have to be legally, lawfully present in the United States. So if you have a green card, as long as you have to be lawfully present in the United States, you don't have to be a U.S. citizen. So there's a lot of people. We do that all of the time. But I always say we want to see uh, your green card. By the way, green cards haven't been green for years, but we still call them green oh, cards. Is that right? I didn't know that. <laughs> they haven't been green for years. And by the way, that's why I have a reader, because when people bring in their cards, uh, yeah, see Mo over there, show it to him. Hey, Mo, <laughs> is this the person's picture? And he has to do the reading and make sure birth certificates are accurate and all of that. Right. They have to be lawfully present in the United States. You don't even have to live in the United States. We have Canadians. They might have worked 20 or 30 years in the United States. And let's say they worked and and became disabled in the United States. They could collect disability. They can move back to Canada or anywhere in the world, except five countries, North Korea, Cuba, and I forget what the other three are, and we won't pay them there. But anywhere in the world, you're eligible for U.S. Social Security benefits. We'll pay you those benefits anywhere in the world. So, no, so you don't have – you have to be lawfully present in the United States. So if, you know, if you're an illegal immigrant and you don't have a green card, no, we, we can't pay you. Now, in situations where a – a child, let's say that a child is the child of uh, immigrant parents that actually snuck into this country. Let's say they snuck into the United States from China, and the mm-hmm. parents are here illegally, but they have a baby that is born in the United States, and I believe that that would mean that that baby is actually a legal citizen. You're born in the United States, uh, 13th Amendment, I think. That is, they are a U.S. citizen if you're born in the United States. Yes. So if that child is, in fact, uh, blind, and uh, how do they account for the the illegal parent's income as they try to determine whether that this child who is... uh, a legal resident but is blind would qualify for SSI? That is an excellent question, and that's why I only do Social Security benefits and not SSI. I'm not an SSI SSI expert, and if if I ever came across that, I'd have to look it up. (laughs) Yes, because I, I really don't know you know the specific details uh but but in Los Angeles we we have a lot of situations where there's a lot of children 
who are of different ethnicities that are here in the United States. They were born in the United States, but their parents are are not here legally. And I know that their parents are are making money, but I don't know if anything is reported. So that would be a very interesting case for them to try to solve that, that problem. That is, those sorts of situations are very difficult because we would go by the family income. It would still be the parent's income. The child might be entitled to benefits, but we'd have to see, you know, they still have two parents, and yeah. they would have to be living with the parents. We would go by household income and all sorts of criteria, you know, how much money the parent made. And the parents actually can earn a fairly high amount for it before it affects the child's benefits. That also varies from state to state. Oh, okay. Okay. No, I'm sorry. SSI is a combination federal and state program. Okay. Okay. Um, Another question that I have based on uh, one of the things that you had stated is, let's say that there is the 40-year-old gentleman who is forced to retire because of diabetes and diabetic uh-huh. retinopathy and receives uh, his Social Security disability income check. And then when he turns 62, you mentioned that it, it stops. And it, does that mean that it stops because he will now be receiving the regular S Social Security check? won't be when he's 62. You could apply for Social Security at 62, but it will stop. It will convert from disability retirement benefits when he turns full retirement age. If you're born between 1943 and 1954, right now, full retirement age is 66. So oh, might be getting disability benefits at age 40, but continue to get the disability benefits until age 66. They just convert. There's not, the person doesn't even know the difference. It's just the dollar amount stays the same. So if you're getting $1,500 under disability, when you turn full retirement age at 66, you would get $1,500. It would just be called retirement benefits. Oh, okay. Okay. So it probably wouldn't affect the amount of the check that they received then. That is correct. Okay. Right. It, it would stay. People call up and say, wait a second, I got this letter that says I'm no longer disabled by Social <laughs> Security standards. I said, oh, that's because you turned 66. Isn't it nice that <laughs> you used to not be able to see, and now, according to Social Security, you can see. No, it's, <laughs> you're, unfortunately, you're still disabled. <laughs> It's just not by Social Security standards. You're just retirement age now. You know, when I, when I hear everything that you're talking about, all these benefits from Social Security, you know, we are very fortunate that in this country, uh, the country still does look out after those who do have disability and aren't able to work. And in your opinion, based on things that you hear does it look as though that the funding to support this type of Social Security disability income, does it look like it's strong that this program will be able to continue, or is it really getting closer to being bankrupt? See, the, 
the term when people say Social Security is bankrupt. By the way, I'm a federal employee, so I fall under what's known as the Hatch Act. I am not. And because I said I'm a Social Security employee and talking about it, I cannot make any partisan comments at all about okay. politics. So my, so my remarks are going to be generic, and that is Social Security will not go bankrupt. The problem is when Social Security was established in 1935, for every person that was going to draw benefits, there were five workers, five people putting into the system, one person taking out. Now, for every person taking out, there are two and a half workers putting money in. So the problem is there are more people taking money out of the system and fewer people putting it in. So at some time, Social Security may not be able to pay out as much money. So one of two things will have to happen to balance the budget, either Social Security, more money will have to come in. Social Security, you know, taxes, raise the limit, a couple of other things, or fewer benefits will be paid out. Social Security still is not going to go bankrupt because it's a sort of a pay-as-you-go. The people okay. that are getting benefits are funded by the people that are putting money into the system. So it'll never go bankrupt. They'll just have to tweak it somehow. You know, if people don't want the benefits to be cut, somehow more money will have to go into the system. Oh, Simple as that. Is, yeah, that, that makes a, a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. Well, this has been really very, very helpful information, Mr. Frank. I, I think that you do an outstanding job of discussing and explaining the different programs and also how the whole process works. Um, what is the best way, if we have any of our listeners who are interested in applying for Social Security, what is the best way that they can have questions answered? Is is it best that they call the 800-772-1213 number, or do they try to find information on the Internet? Yes. Both. <laughs> uh, and it's not just because I work for Social Security, uh, but the Social Security website wins all sorts of prizes. Everything you ever wanted to know is on the website, and it's fairly easy to, to maneuver. If you're not that good at the Internet, you know, get somebody to help you. You can also call your local Social Security office. Uh, there are other individuals around, you know, that know about Social Security, and you can call that 800 number to get information. Now, there's one thing, whenever I do a retirement seminar or any seminar, I always say, and this is more for your older workers, the ones that you may see, Dr. Bill, if people are hesitant about applying, and they've heard all sorts of horror stories. I understand 
you know, if I apply, I'm going to be denied. Well, if you do apply and you're denied, you appeal it. Simple as that. Uh, but what I tell people, and not necessarily for blindness, let's say they have low vision and a couple of other things, and they really don't feel like they can continue to work, but they're hesitant. I always tell people, if you apply for benefits, I cannot guarantee that you'll be approved. However, if you do not apply for benefits, I can guarantee you 100% that you won't be approved. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's so true. So you have, and I tell people, if you apply for benefits, the worst thing that can possibly happen to you is you waste an hour and a half talking to me on the phone because that's all you have to do. I'll take your claim, I'll get all the information, and I'll submit it. And some people might think that talking to me an hour and a half isn't worth any amount of money, but (laughs) I convince them, go ahead, I'm not that bad. Oh, gosh, this is really, really fantastic. And, uh, Tom, you know, one other question again, Tom, what was the web address for Social Security again? www.socialsecurity.gov. G-O-V. Okay, that is fantastic. So we'll all be have gov- direct. Yeah, be careful because if you go to www.socialsecurityrepresentative.com or whatever, you are getting some to some place a commercial establishment. They might say, "Oh, give us two hundred and dollars." and we'll help you apply for Social Security. Social Security doesn't charge you. We don't charge. We do it. We are employed by the government, and I always tell people, I work for you. That's who I work for. So when you call, I'm working to see if I can get you benefits. That's my job. so make sure it's a dot gov website. Well, thank you for your your hard work, your dedication to all the people out there, and also for this wonderful, wonderful presentation this evening. And I'd also like to thank Mr. Joe Yurka from Airs LA for recording this podcast this evening. We'll be posting it on both the Airs LA website at www.airsla. That's A-I-R-S-L-A dot org. And also on the C-C-L-V-I dot org website. So thank you again for joining us, Tom, Frank. Thank you very, very much for all this information. And we hope to see you all next month. We talk more about low vision.